0: I told him I had to sit up where I'm sitting so I could keep you away. <laughs> <laughs> I think
1: I'm going to be okay. If you up late last night? I was going to come and talk to you, but you were you were busy talking to somebody else. Good morning, FCC. Good morning. All right, I think you could do a little bit better than that. Good morning, FCC. Good morning. Much better. So let me tell you a little story about this first song we're going to do. First, it's one of my favorite songs, um, and it's called Child of Love. You know, we were all made in God's image, and it does say that God is love. When I say, let me hear you say, yeah, I want to hear you say, yeah, because we mm-hmm. are children of love. <laughs> I'm gone.
2: got it fixed. Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful that we can come together this morning to worship. And Lord, we thank you that we can just, we can confess our belief in you. We can be baptized in you and we can be a part of your family. And we celebrate that today. Lord, as we're here today, let us keep our focus on you. And Father, I pray that as we're gathered here today, that we can just have a great time worshiping you and we can We can enjoy each other's presence, and we can lift up our praises to you. And Father, I pray that we can also uh, enjoy your word today. We can be convicted, and Lord, that we can just do what you've called us to do. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. Good to see everybody today. We're glad that you've chosen to worship with us today at First Christian. We're here to lift up the Lord together. Amen? Good deal. Before we continue singing this morning, sometime today, make sure you fill out your connection card for us. That would be a blessing. And if you're watching us online, there's a, a number on the bottom of the screen. First-time guests, if you do the, uh, the guest connection card, you'll get two messages from us. One is the actual connection card. Two, you'll get a four-question, I think it's a four-question survey a few hours from now. And we will not use this for marketing purposes. So trust us with that. We will, we will not uh, mess with your privacy. So anyway, at this time, we're going to continue singing praises to the Lord together.
1: I need you, walking down these desert roads, water for my thirsty soul. I need you, oh I need you, Your your forgiveness is like sweet, sweet honey on my lips. Like the sound of a symphony in my ears, like holy water on my. riverside. Take me on the baptize. I need you. Oh God, I need you. Your forgiveness is like sweet, sweet honey on my lips. It's like the sound of It's the only thing that ever really makes me wanna change. And I don't wanna abuse your grace. God, I need it every day. It's the only thing that ever really makes me wanna change. I don't wanna abuse your grace. God, I need it every day. It's the only thing that ever really want to change I don't want to use
2: your
1: grace God I need it every day it's the only thing that ever really makes me want to change your forgiveness it's like sweet sweet honey on my lips it's like the sound of a symphony in my ears like holy water, your forgiveness is like sweet, sweet honey on my lips, like the sound of the
0: Eighteen, verse two. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my rock where I seek refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold.
1: He won't abandon, he won't deceive He won't desert us, he won't ever leave He'll never forsake us, he won't ever run He'll never reject us, the faithful one Your love will remain Your love will remain A mighty fortress is our God Our strength, never failing In the name of Jesus, true and strong No other power could ever save us You are good, you are good Mighty Fortress Mighty Fortress You won't abandon, you won't deceive. You won't desert us, you won't ever leave. You'll never forsake us, you won't ever run. You'll never reject us, the Faithful One. Your love will remain. Your love will remain. A fortress is our God, a tower Jesus, true and strong. No other power could ever save us. You are good, you are good, mighty fortress. A tower of strength never failing In the name of Jesus, true and strong No other power could ever save us You are good, you are good, and your mercy endures You are good, you are good, mighty fortress You are good, you are good, and your mercy endures You are good, you are good, mighty fortress
2: Psalm
0: 136 verse 1, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his faithfulness, love endures forever.
1: Goodbye
2: today we're going to begin a new four-week series called Jesus on and we're going to be looking at four areas that Jesus spoke of during the Sermon on the Mount we're going to be looking at today we're going to be looking at influence what he has to say about influence we're going to see what he has about to say about sin sharing and also wealth and storage of what he's blessed us with but today we're going to we're going to unpack this issue of influence so when you think about your own life how did you come to Jesus did you, were you brought to a place where you decided to come to Jesus on your own? Did you just figure out one day, I need Jesus, and you did it, and some people do, and boy, what a, what a blessing that is. Or did you have someone along the way that helped you to see your need? Your life, you knew something was missing, but you probably didn't know what it was at the time, but you knew something wasn't right. But somebody came alongside of you, and they helped you to see your need, and they helped point you to what you needed is there someone in your life that helped show you what it meant to follow Jesus because alert you know when people say that I follow Jesus that could mean a lot of things but there's only really one true meaning and have you had that person in your life that showed that to you that you'd never seen before I mean you'd heard a lot of talk you've heard a lot of people talk about Jesus you heard a lot of people say they're Christians but finally somebody came into your life and they showed you they showed you what that meant did somebody influence you to follow Jesus? Popular thought today, and it's getting more and more popular, is simply this, that faith is a personal thing. You should keep it to yourself. You should keep your mouth shut, and you just got to keep to yourself. That is very popular. I mean, it's always been, but it's getting worse and worse and worse, and people will say, well, you just keep it to yourself, but, we, but when you do that, by the way, we want you to believe everything we're teaching the world, and if you don't, well, then you're not, you're not welcome. We have to ask ourselves this question. And by the way, have you ever felt that pressure? That pressure where you saw something going on, but yet you're like, I'm afraid to say anything. Um, I'm thankful we have people in our school board now that will speak, speak the truth and at least do the best they can to not let a lot of the nonsense that's going on in schools take place in Sierra Vista. I'm thankful for that. But we have to ask ourselves this, when you're a follower of Jesus, when you're a baptized believer in Christ, how are you gonna live out your faith in this dying world? Because this world is dying. It is not getting better. You know, it's like ourselves. We were making some comments about somebody being younger today, and they said, oh, I got all this going on with me. I said, okay, you're old too. But as we get older, man, things just don't work like they used to. It's very frustrating. But how are you gonna live your life out? How are you gonna live out your faith in this dying world? Are we going to go to the hills and hide? Are we going to lock the doors of the church and just hope that none of those people outside come in and stain the church? Are we going to do that? Or are we going to take the other tactics like, you know what, I'm going to blend in so much like the world, with the world, that I look like the world, and I basically am the world, my thought patterns are of the world, and my philosophies come from the world, and that whatever I'm taught, I don't have any critical thinking skills so that I can examine it like that there's a bajillion different agendas. I mean, science says that that's not true but am I, going to be, am I going to blend in so much that when I walk in the doors on Sunday, I have to grab the mask in the back room and say, okay, here's my Christian mask. I'm a Christian today. And then when I leave, I take it off and put it in and leave it in the building. So then I can go out in the world. And, whew, I can be like the world. I don't have to put up with anything. I don't have to have people looking down on me. I don't have to wonder what they're going to think about me. Huh. Imagine if the early church had taken the position of saying, you know, my face personal, and I know if I say anything to the Jewish people that were, they, they were a part of man they 're going to get mad at us, and you know you know what happened to Jesus because he couldn 't keep his yapper shut. Uh, he got crucified i don 't really want that to happen. Can you imagine where we would be today if the early church took that tack? we wouldn't be here we 'd be lost. we would be lost. Well, in the final. Uh, in, In the Beatitude just before the one we're going to look at today, Jesus talked to his disciples and said, listen, here is how the world is going to treat you. But now in the passage we're going to look at, he's going to flip that and say, okay, with that being said, here's your job. Here's your assignment. Here's what you're called to do on a daily basis. There's really one word that sums up our faith that's being lived amongst, excuse me, in this world that doesn't believe in Jesus. That one word is influence. It's influence. Now, when I was a kid, back in the stone age, when I had to walk to school 20 miles in the snow in 80 degree, 90 degree weather, anyway, carrying my stone tablets, which made it really hard. Um, we never heard this word influencers. Now, when I say influencers, do y'all know what I'm talking about now? Yeah, social media man and some people are influencers because they have a great talent and a great skill i watched this young lady um, she plays bass guitar she's like 9 years old and that girl can kill it and she gets on there and says i'm going to be playing i feel good from james brown from 1964 and so and so is the bass player and that little girl can jam man she's good and there's other people who basically have no talent they're just outrageous and people will follow them they got millions of followers and they get wealthy off this, and I'm thinking, man, I wish influencer was a thing that when I was in school, I would have tried to do something stupid so I could have done that. But anyway, advertisers—you uh, might be surprised—but I follow a couple cats online. You know, there's some cat influencers, <laughs> and their masters get all these toys and all these things. You know, the cement mixer litter box, which if I put that in my house, my cats would be like, no, I ain't using that." You just wasted seven hundred bucks, but but they're always getting stuff and the people are wanting them to promote it. You know why? Because they're considered influencers. I don't know if influencer is something you can put on your tax form, it probably is now. But see, these folks make a lot of money and everybody thinks, well, hey, if that dude's cats have that, mine need it too. Or, hey, this girl wears this makeup, my wife says she needs it too. Or this guy's got this, well, actually this girl's got this thing on her Toyota truck, so I obviously have to have it too. so we know what influencing is all about. When we look at our passage today, we're going to see that Jesus called you and called me to be influencers. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. You can follow in your Bible, or I'll have it up on the screen. And we're going to begin with verse 13. It says this. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its flavor, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled on By people. So, the first observation we're going to make about influencing is we're called to influence by flavoring. We're called to influence by flavoring. Now, Jesus begins verse 13 and he tells this crowd, of which many of them were his disciples and some of them were just trying to figure things out, he looks at them and he challenges them and he says, You are the salt of the earth. Now, who wants to be salt? I mean, I'd been better if he says, You are diamonds for the world. But he says, No, you're the salt of the earth. And so I'm asking myself when I first read this a long time ago, I was like, why do I wanna be salt? And by the way, if you look in the Old Testament, Lot's wife kind of did that gig and I don't think she liked it too well. <laughs> so if you ever wanna look up Lot's wife if you've never read it, it's interesting. But why did Jesus use this issue of salt and lighter light as metaphors when he speaks about influence? Well, in the ancient world and as well as in modern times, salt had four basic functions salt would be used for preservation, it would be used for seasoning, it would be used for fertilizer, and it was also used as an antiseptic. And when you break down these uses, it becomes obvious what Jesus was trying to get across to his listeners. And I suspect from from their standpoint, they were pretty well aware of what he was telling them. But first of all, when you look at salt as a preservative, and he says, you're the salt of the earth, well, what, what does that mean? Well, in ancient times, salt was used to keep things from going rancid. Uh, It's also used in modern times in places where refrigeration is not very readily available. And so when things are dead and they're dying, they go into a state of decay. So that lovely steak you might be eating today, it's dead. And if it's not preserved properly, it will be rancid. How would you like it if if a roadhouse or whatever brought your steak out and it's all green and slimy and disease-ridden? And and they say, well, I'm sorry, but it's dead. Uh, You don't want to eat that. At least I wouldn't and salt was used to slow that decay it would still decay but it would slow it down significantly now one thing salt couldn't do is it couldn't take something that was already decayed and reverse it in other words once it was a certain state and you put salt on it it would not regenerate it back to what it was but it would just keep it from getting worse now when Jesus says "You're the salt of the earth and you think about this from a preservation standpoint salt or Christians excuse me are to be Christians in the world are called to, be, to preserve some things in this world. We're responsible for preserving things like morality, justice, social conscience, among other things. We are called to preserve the gospel of Jesus Christ in this world. See, God is also, as part of doing this, he instituted the state, you know, government, and he instituted the home. But without the church, these things lack salt and light. You know, a lot of times people bemoan the fact of what's going on in government. You know whose fault that is? It's ours. It's nobody else's fault. It's not China's fault. It's not Russia's fault. It's not Ukraine's fault. It's our fault. You know why? Because we keep putting the same people in. They keep doing the same things, and we're trillions of dollars in debt right now. And believe me, folks, one day that house is going to come crashing in. But you see, we have all these problems because the state has, if you will, the government has gotten out of control. You know why? Because Christians have quit influencing it. The church has quit influencing it. We just let things go. Education is going down the tubes fast. You know why? Because the church has pulled out of it. Well, it's just too bad for us to do anything for. We're not influencing it anymore. We need good men and women in education to influence the systems. We need them in superintendents. We need them on school boards because we're there's a school where this gentleman has dressed like a woman he says he's a woman and he's really made himself very voluptuous if you will just obnoxiously and the school's told the kids you got to call this this is a this is a her in the meantime when they're calling role jane are you here And, and you know those kids are thinking what the heck is this it confuses them we're teaching them a lie we're not teaching them truth And that's just one of millions of things we're trying to feed these kids. You know, I heard our government officials, climate change is the worst thing that we're dealing with. And I'm thinking, seriously? Really? Really? And we're throwing millions upon millions of dollars, but yet we keep voting for these people. A big bank in California just collapsed. And you know, their CEO, all they could talk about was climate change. Well, why don't you learn how to bank first (laughs) and not lose everybody's money? but see it's crazy we're picking people for jobs not based on any qualifications but we're doing it based on what martha and luther king uh, thought was horrible we're picking people by the color of their skin we're picking people by their orientation and we're teaching kids that this is okay there's some companies out there that won't even give you merit raises anymore because that's wrong we're going to give you raises based on other factors really i don't know if i'm running the business i want people to i want the best people i don't care what color your skin is i could care less when it comes to that want the best and the brightest. See, here's the thing. Historically, the church has been credited, rightfully so, with the advances, with many advances in science, medicine, prison reform, orphanages. You know, there weren't any hospitals until the church came along. The abolition of slavery, child labor, education, and literacy. These are all a result of Christians flavoring the, excuse me, preserving the world being an influence on the world. The kingdom of God has always had, has always flavored the world. It's always preserved the world in significant ways. Can you imagine a world with no morality? Or the morality comes by mob rule. Can you imagine a world with no boundaries? Can you imagine a world with no standards of decency? You know, there are a lot of people out there today that that's what they want. You better be careful what you wish for because you might not like it when you get it. Christians are called to influence society so it doesn't continue to rot. And when we pull our influence out, it will get worse and worse and worse. But here's the kicker, and this is the dilemma sometimes. Let's say you got that steak you wanna preserve and you're gonna use some salt. Well, the only way it's gonna work is if it's on the steak. In other words, as Christians, if we're going to influence, for instance, if we wanna influence education, we put people on the school board who are Christians who believe in God who believe in the word and believe there's a higher power in God. That's what we do. And then those Christians and we as Christians, we get involved. We can't just bemoan education and just sit back and do nothing or bemoan politics and sit back and do nothing or bemoan this and sit back and do nothing. We have to be involved. We have to influence. And that's how things work. We have to get out of the salt shaker as you as I say and get into the world. Salt was also used as a fertilizer. Now, those of you who haven't farmed before, or planted plants, you use fertilizer to help enhance the soil or give it some nutrients that may be missing so that the crops and the plants can grow better. Well, followers of Jesus, what we're doing is we're coming into the soil or the earth and we are adding things to it that are missing so that things can go better. When we have our influence, we fertilize, if you will, the education systems. We fertilize governmental systems. We fertilize these things so that they can have better ground. But for salt to be effective in the ground as fertilizer, it's got to be mixed in. Salt was used as an antiseptic to keep wounds from getting infected. You realize if you cut yourself and you do nothing about it, you could potentially die from a small cut. I had an uncle, my, well, my mom's uncle. Would that be my great uncle? I'm not good with family relationships because I had small family. But anyway, he was a tough Navy man. He served in the Second World War alongside my grandfather. And um, he died, you know why? Of an infected tooth. Uncle Adolf was too stubborn to go get his tooth looked at, and he died from it. This was back in the mid-70s, before some of you were born, by the way. But anyway, he, uh, a small infection can kill you. And so what's happening to people is there are so many people, I'm not talking physically, that have emotional wounds, that they need the salt and light of Jesus to come to them. Because they're letting those wounds destroy them, their relationships, their families, and everyone in their path. Because that wound is taking over because it's running rampant with infection. And so we're called to be an antiseptic where we can come in and bring the salt of Jesus to them and help them not to, be, not to die literally and spiritually from what's happened. We use salt to flavor things. How many of you here like potatoes? I know my wife does. She's a potato hound. I would be a multi-billionaire if I could invent a carb-free potato that tastes right. But anyway... You take potatoes, you boil them in water, and let's say when you do it, you put nothing in the water but just water, and then nothing but the in the water but the potatoes, no seasoning, nothing. You mash them up. Now, some people can eat them that way. They could. I'm that way with pasta. You know, I can just eat it. I just eat the stuff. I love the texture. But what do you do with potatoes? You usually put some salt in them, and you put them in because it gives it flavor, and then, you, boy, now we got heaven. We got some potatoes here, and you throw a little butter and sour cream and some bacon and for you vegetarians, I don't know what you put on them, but anyway, uh, you put all this stuff on, and man, you got a, you've got a meal from the gods right before you. It's good stuff. But how many of us want to eat a potato with no flavor? I heard a joke about the COVID thing where uh, one of the comedians said that Italians ran to get that vaccine because they were afraid they were going to lose their, their smell and taste, and they wanted to taste their Italian food. But we, we put salt in to give things flavor. When Jesus called us to be the salt and light of the earth, he's saying, you need to bring flavor and spice into people's lives. But the tragedy is people have often connected Christianity with just the opposite. They think that we're there to take all the spice and flavor out of life. They think we're there to ruin their life. If it's fun, you can't do it. Because for many centuries, if you will, the church has always been, this is what we're against. This is what we don't like. This is what you can't do. And we get to be known for what we're against and nobody knows what we're for. You know, I always said with politicians, if I had a politician come and say, this is what I'm for, I'm like, you're probably going to get my vote, because I just love your positivity. I love to know what you stand for and get tired of hearing what everybody's against. But many people have connected Christianity with that which takes flavor out of life. Oliver Wendell Holmes once said this. He said, I might have entered ministry if certain clergymen I knew had not looked and acted so much like undertakers. And that's the thing. We are to bring spice into life. We are to help bring Jesus into life. You know, when I used to work with my company, with the company, it, it just cracked me up because people would have their stories from the weekend. Well, I called it Drunk Story Monday. You know, that's what I call it. And, and they were always, told, oh, yeah, we did this. And, oh, it was a good old time. they come to me. I said, oh, yeah, I went to church on Sunday. And Saturday, we went fishing or we went skiing. And, you know, and they're waiting for me to talk about how somebody got drunk and somebody got their leg broken off or something, you know. And I'm like... And they'd look, well, that sounds boring. No, it's fun, and I remember everything I did. (laughs) I didn't forget it. But the thing is, people have the impression that Christians are just blah. And to be honest with you, I used to also. The faith I was raised in, (laughs) you go to church, it was miserable. The singing was horrible. The preaching was horrific. The seats were hard as, as, as concrete, literally, and they had to bend and kneel all the time, and I had a sore knee all the time, and I did not like doing that, and I got around people, and they wouldn't even smile at you, and they would just kind of, you know, kind of scowl at you, but then I started dating my wife, and I started hanging out with her and her friends, and I'm like, this is odd. They're having fun. I know they go to church. They, they committed the crime of smiling, and it got worse. They had a good time. I'm like, wait, wait that's not right. You can't be a Christian and have fun. Everybody knows that, but it changed my outlook they enjoyed life I haven't watched the, the the latest season yet I have just haven't done it yet but the, the chosen I've always said that's the thing I love about it is how they portray Jesus it wasn't Jesus going you know looking like some emo moping around you know doom and gloom and oh here comes the kids all right know, yeah, I really like those kids you know um, it showed him joyful I don't believe for a minute I used to believe this but I don't believe for a minute that Jesus, when he lived on earth, didn't enjoy life. It had rough spots, but he enjoyed it. He loved people, even when they were bad to him. Let me tell you something. <laughs> we should be having the most fun of anybody as Christians, because we know what the future stands for, is, is going to be like. We took, we had a bunch of us, we did our uh, narrow path group, our off-road groups yesterday, and we had a blast driving along the Mexican border and stuff. Some of y'all still drive really slow. I don't know what to do about that. Uh, We might have to, you know, hook you up to our trucks and drag you a little bit. But anyway, we had a good time. We went to Velvet Elvis, had a blast, man. We had such a good time coming back. We got to go really fast coming back. We cut the trip down quite a bit, but we had a good time together. And see, that's what we should be doing. Our fellowship, we should be enjoying each other's company. We should be sharing that light with other people. They shouldn't see us, and what are you going to do? Well, we're going to hang out together as Christians and mope, bemoan everything that's wrong with the world, and just act like we don't have somebody who can help us and take care of it. We're just going to be miserable. Yeah, let's do that. Let's get so depressed about the political situation that we just throw in the towel, and, well, I'm just going to die one day, and, you know, whatever. Many people are living a bland life, and they need Jesus, and they need to see it. Now, Jesus, I'm going to hit this briefly. He talked about salt losing its flavor. Jesus understood that salt technically can't. Sodium chloride does not lose its saltiness. But what you can do with it is you can make it where it's ineffective because salt is very resilient chemically. But what you can do is you can ruin it. The salt that they used came from marshes and it was had a lot of impurities in it. And if it had too many impurities in it, it wouldn't be able to be used. And salt that they stored on the ground because of the way the ground worked, it would leach out the salt and it would just leave you with stuff that you could walk on. But the thing is, when he talks about this salt losing its flavor, he's, usually, he's literally using the word defi- defiled, I should say. Salt can't lose its saltiness unless it's so mixed with other things you can't taste it. For instance, take a glass of water when you go home, a good glass, and put a cup of salt in it. Try to drink it. Won't that taste good? Take that same cup, take another cup of salt, and put it in 10 gallons of water. Taste it put that same cup of salt in 100 gallons of water, 500 gallons of water. Eventually, yeah, it's there technically, but you don't taste it. And so Jesus told them, he says, listen, he said, if you get so ingrained in the world that you're just like it, you're going to lose your flavor. And as a matter of fact, the word for flavor is a word that's translated in two other places as fools or foolishness. For instance, in uh, Romans 1.22, although they claimed to be wise, they became salt, uh, they they became flavorless, if you will. They became fools. It's the same word. 1 Corinthians one twenty. where is the wise man? Where is the expert in the Mosaic law? Where is the debater of this age? Has God not made the wisdom of the world flavorless or foolish? Salt must be mixed in the right proportions to be effective. And that's the key. We have to be in the world, but not of the world. You can take a nice steak and accidentally dump the salt shaker on it. You've ruined it. Or you can take it and put just one little grain of it and you can't taste it. We have to find that right mix or else we're just going to be ineffective. Let's look at verses 14 and 15. It says this. Jesus changes his metaphor now. He says, you're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. People do not light a lamp and put it under a basket, but put it on a lampstand and it gives light to all in the house. So the second issue of influence is influence by courage. Courage. Jesus says you guys are the light of the world when he's talking to the crowd. Light does several things. It exposes flaws, it also illuminates paths. People are uncomfortable when they stand in the light, when things come to light, as we say, that they're trying to hide. An affair. You know, most times affairs, it's not, I don't go, hey honey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go cheat on you today, okay? You okay with that? I'll see, I have my dinner ready when I get home. Yeah, I don't think I want to eat that plate. <laughs> if I even got out the door but the fact is we try to hide things and when that comes to light it scares people we're seeing this in the political arena. we were told certain things and then certain evidence is showing that's not true and the politicians are going berserk over it well you can't show those videos that contradict what we say it is (laughs) well you know truth is truth folks see we try to hide things the light exposes it it's a disinfectant Many times when we, when we deal with people, we get upset at how they act. But, you know, the other thing we have to remember is maybe they don't have the light of Jesus to show them the right path. And that's why it's so important that we are that light. The light of the gospel will, we, will we reveal what is truth and what masquerades as truth. And to be honest, in our society, we're not critically th- we, don't critic- we don't have critical thinkers anymore, so we're willing to swallow anything people are telling us. We're willing to swallow anything that's, that's taught to us and the problem is a lot of that stuff being taught now is masquerading as truth. The light of the gospel will expose it. Light also illuminates the path. You ever walked around your house in the dark? Stubbed your toe? Well, that's a good feeling, isn't it? I got smart and bought these little uh, little light covers, you know, the covers that have night lights on them. I love them. Now I go down the hall and kill myself. Every once in a while, I have to go into the office when it's closed over there, and I go through my office because I'm too lazy to walk through the other because I have to unlock it, and there's no light on until I get to the other side, and I think I know the office well, and lo and behold, there's a chair in the middle of the room that I didn't see, and I about killed myself trying to do something because I'm too lazy to go the other way. If you want light, imagine if you're going into the doctor, and you're going in for a heart surgery, and just before they put you under, the doctor says, okay, light's out, we're saving power. We're going to do this surgery with no light. Do you want them poking around you with with no light? No, we want want a lot of light. See, we are to help guide people to the light of the gospel. We are to shine that light. We are trying to make a way for others to see the path. Therefore, as Christians, by uh, by necessity, we are called to be an example. One of the things that this world needs more than anything else is people who are prepared to be an example and and who are willing to stand out. We need people who will shine the light of truth, who will shine the light of, tr- of light of the light of truth, on what's being told to us in this world. Too many times, the church now is getting to the point. Well, we don't want to say anything. Okay, I'm going to send my kid to school and taught there's 700 genders. That's not truth, folks. We need people who are bold. We need teachers who are bold. We need people in the school districts who are bold to say we're not teaching that stuff. That's not science. It's telling kids that science doesn't even matter. You know, Christians, it's funny. We get accused of not being for science. I'm all for science. I'm not for political science in the sense that we politicized it. But science is science, folks. And science does not contradict God because who created science? I think God did. And so it's just amazing to me that we see this stuff and it's all happening because we're not willing to shine the light. But you know what? It takes courage. It takes courage to influence others for Jesus. The pressure is so great for us to keep our mouths shut and to stay out of the arena that many of us are like, okay, I'm I'm just going to do it. I'm going to pray for him and hope God does something. You know, when you're a Christian, it's scary to put yourself out there. You know why? Because we're not perfect. And you know what else? Christians are keenly aware of that fact. And we're afraid, well, if I say something, somebody's going to find out something I did, and they're going to throw it in my face, and then they're going to use that as an excuse to do it you know, we are not perfect. And it takes a lot of courage just to understand, you know, I am not perfect, but I'm still going to stand for what's right. You know, we're being kind of led to believe, well, if you have any sin in your life, you can't speak against it. Well, I've never been a drug addict, but I can also say, you know, you shouldn't be a drug addict. It just makes sense. We cannot let fear of imperfection keep us from being courageous and shining the light. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. You know what you do about that? You say, you know what, I'm not but through Christ I'm growing. I've done so many stupid things in my life, just stupid, that I've had to apologize for. That I've had to stand in front of people, drop my pride off at the door and say, you know what, you're right, you got me. I shouldn't have done that, I shouldn't have said that. I'm trying to grow. Jesus said a city on a hill can't be hidden. He says you don't light a light and put it under a basket, you light the whole room. And Jesus says, you know, you're not saved to go hide you're a city on a hill. People need to be looking to you for what it means to follow Jesus. We're called to stand out in the crowd. Christianity, your faith is meant to be seen. It's meant to be heard. Someone once said this. they said, there can be no such thing as secret discipleship. For either the secrecy destroys the discipleship or the discipleship destroys the secrecy. One's faith should be perfectly visible and not just at church. He didn't say you're a light unto the church. He says you're a light unto the world faith who stops who's one a faith that stops at the doorsteps of the church is a worthless faith faith should be visible in how we treat people and how we deal with situations and how we treat our spouses how we treat our children how we treat our parents it should be evident in everything that we do we are called to be a light of the world not just the church verse 16 says this we'll finish with this thought in the same way let your light shine before people so that they can see your good deeds give honor to your father in heaven so the last point is it ties a little bit to the last one but it's influence by directing we read about the pharisees and the pharisees this is where they went off the rails they were all about doing good stuff okay and you can do something that is good but it's still not right and here's the difference the pharisees were doing things to be seen by people they'd give a lot of money but they wanted to make sure everybody saw them do it they wanted to make sure people saw him do it. They wanted to pray publicly and they had times of public prayer in the Jewish, in Jewish society. But the Pharisees made sure they were out there so everybody could see them and go, wow, man, listen to that eloquent prayer. Wow, look at his garb. Oh, wow, how impressive. And what they were doing is they were doing things. Bible says "Do things so do it so people can see your good deeds. But they missed the last part to bring glory to God, to bring glory to God. Jesus said, let your light shine before people so they can see your good deeds and then give glory to God. When I, when I was working at the factory, I started when I was 18 years old, and I, I, had a little, uh, I had a very good grasp of the four-letter vocabulary. I could handle it quite well, and I knew how to use it in proper context, which was anything you wanted to say, and I struggled with it. But then I gave my life to Christ at 20, so two years after I was, I was a Christian, and I started working on it. And one day I had some people say, you know, I notice you don't cuss anymore. And I said, well, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm good. I'm better than you, loser. (laughs) You you still cuss because you're too stupid to use other words? What's the problem? No, no. I didn't go around saying, hey, I'm not cussing. Notice, look at it, clean language. When I was brought to my attention, I just simply said, you know, I said, I belong to Jesus now, and I know that's not what he wants me to do. And i'm really trying not to do it i struggle with it sometimes but i'm really working on it and because of him i'm I'm able to get where i am and so people notice some things i did but i didn't say well (laughs) yes of course i'm so good look at me it's about giving glory to god because somebody else might be struggling with your issue and when you give glory to god they're going to say wow he did that for you maybe it was something extreme like a drug addiction and christ helped you get through it that's impressive let people see what God is doing in your life and then point them to God. Peter, in Second Peter, said this, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to keep away from fleshly desires that do battle against your soul and maintain good conduct among the non-Christians so that though they now malign you as wrongdoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God when he appears. It should always be about to God be the glory. When people see what you're doing and they come to you with it, God has to get the glory. People won't care about Jesus and what we have to say about him until they see him in our life. The Pharisees did what they did to be seen by people. True Christians do what they do to point other people to Jesus. My question for you is this Who are you influencing? In a way, that's not a fair question because we are influencing people whether we know it or not. We're either influencing them to Christ or we're influencing them to say, you know what, I don't want anything to do with that because of what I'm seeing. What light are we shining to others? I hope it's the light of Jesus. Are we being the salt of the earth? Who are we making an impact with? Do you want to have a lasting impact beyond your years? You know, I'm pushing gosh, it's, this year's already going by fast. I'm going to be 59 this year, so I'm getting up there. Now, in first service, they were like jealous because, you know, they're all really old in first service. But uh, here I said, well, I'm going to be one of the older ones in this service. But, you know, one thing that I think about more and more is what am I leaving behind? When I was 20, I didn't give a rip. didn't think about it. When I was 30, eh, 40, eh, 50, eh, pushing 60, you start thinking about that stuff, because then you realize you only have so many summers left on this earth, as one comedian was talking about, and I wanted to smack him for mentioning it, but anyway, and you start thinking, you know, I want this to count for something. I want to leave a lasting impression, don't you? I mean, my biggest fear has always been, nobody will know I was ever here. One way you can do that is you can influence others to come to Christ, because, you know, my wife and I have two children, and one of our oldest daughter has children. They're all Christians, Their children are Christians. My hope is their children will be Christians. And I hope at some time, you know, that legacy will continue. I think in both our families, we were both probably the first to come to Christ, I think. I know I was, and so was she. And now from that, we're seeing roots come out already. And you can have that lasting influence. Back in 1969, before many of you were born, Neil Armstrong walked on the moon. Now, some people will allege he didn't, but we're just going to say he did. But you know what? His footprints are there. And they're still there, and they'll be there for a 1,000 years to come. Matter of fact, what I read is they made the big feet on the lander because they thought there was going to be a lot of deep uh, sediment there because of their scientific theories, which actually supposedly wasn't right. But anyway, that footprint will be there for centuries. It'll be there. It's a lasting impression. Being an influence requires purposeful living. And do you want to be an influence on people? It won't happen by... Well, it will happen by accident if you don't want a good influence. But intentional living will help you be a positive influence on people. At this time our our praise team will come up and lead us in a song of decision. And if you've not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we're going to give you the opportunity to do that. I remember when I gave my life to Christ, man, I was going to do it on Sunday night because we didn't have as many people. We had about 300 people in our church at that time. And Sunday night we didn't have hardly that not there that that many. I was a little shy. But that Sunday morning, Morris preached a message. Don't remember what it was, but I remember when it was coming time for the invitation, we had pews back then. I had a death grip on that pew because I felt something dragging me out of the pew. It wasn't my wife either. And, and I was, felt something dragging me out of the pew. And I'm like, no, no, there's too many people. There's too many people. I can't do this. And then finally I said, I like God. I said, I went up, I was baptized into Christ. Best decision I made in my life. Jesus will change your life. He will give you that peace. He'll change you. And you'll have eternal life. If that's what you need this morning, we'll give you that opportunity as we, when we sing our song of decision. If you're an immersed believer and would like to make First Christian your, your home church, we'd love to have you be a part of the church, Christian, First Christian family. And if you're struggling and need prayer, if you need prayer, if you want to come forward, I'd be glad to lift you up in prayer. But this time, let's stand together and let's sing our song of decision. If you have a decision, we invite you to come forward. <laughs>
1: freedom he has won, even death is dead and death, his life has overcome. Speak, say the name above all names, over every broken place, he is risen from the Glory And the honor to the Son
2: My sins are
1: forgiven My future is heaven And I praise God For what He's done Now on a throne of majesty Father's will complete He reigns in victory Sing hallelujah to Heaven, and I praise God for what He's done. What He's done, what He's done, what He's done. done. done, done. All the glory and the honor to the Son. My sins are forgiven, my future is heaven, and I praise God.
2: you seated at this time we have a joyful occasion before us bob davison has come forward to be baptized into christ this morning <laughs> i'm gonna ask bob do you believe that jesus is the christ the son of the living god yes. amen i'm based on your confession of faith we're gonna take bob back and baptize him now
0: Asked this week to prepare a baptismal uh, meditation, and it caused me to do a lot of thinking. What do I really need to tell you? And as a result of that, I had to put a lot of effort about my life and dates. I think dates are important to all of us. And I would just like to start there and end with the baptism. Now, if I was still teaching, this would be a time we'd have a pop quiz. So here's what I would like to do. Just mentally answer these questions. I hope you don't miss the first three. First of all, just mentally, what is your birth date? Everybody got it right? Okay, I'm assuming that's 100% you're on an A. Next part of it is, if you're married, what is your spouse's birthday? Okay. The hardest one of those three is, how about your anniversary? Now, if you didn't get it right, Jeff can make appointments. So uh, we'll see what happens. But anyway, that's some of the things that I started with. And it goes ahead. Dates are really, really important in our lives. So I went along and I got thinking okay, what about our children? Their birthdays, or our in laws, or our parents? You know, that's all part of it. We're geared to dates. So as I went along, I thought okay, what dates are really standing out? To me, now this one won't tie into you at all exactly, but uh, the sixth of July, 1969 stands out immensely to me because that's the date my Marine Corps roommate was killed in Vietnam, and that sticks with me, as it should. But then I go ahead and I think, okay, we're talking about baptisms. How many? or think if, if you can the date you were baptized in my case and it's gonna sound Jeff's definition of old uh, the 6th of April nineteen fifty eight was when I was baptized so I got thinking about Bob how this applies to all of us so one of the things I would like to think about in just a few moments Bob's gonna be standing Right up at the top of that uh, baptistry, and that's the old Bob. Bob is, go ahead, he's done what you've all done, and that is he's heard, and he's had to assess everything he's heard and then confess. You heard him a minute ago make that confession that he believed in Jesus Christ. Well, as that's what he's doing, right? Has done. In just a second or two, he's going to walk down. That's the old Bob. He's going to walk into the water. They're going to baptize him. He is going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He is going to be forgiven of his sins. And I'd like you to just remember, and I hope Bob can hear this, because I'm going to talk about it's important today's date is the 13th or excuse me the 12th of March 2023 and that is the date of his baptism and the angels are celebrating in heaven so thank you
1: And blood and fire no fear of condemnation by faith unjustified
0: asked a few minutes ago to do a communion meditation, and I want to share something with you. Three years ago, Brenda and I went to Israel on the trip of a lifetime, and I thoroughly enjoyed that, every moment of it. But one of the things that came didn't take long to figure out was, as you're traveling, you can see all the digs, the archaeology that's occurring, in Israel, and one day we were driving down a road heading to some site, and we passed a road cut, and in that road cut was a tomb. They had just, uh, ahead of a few weeks, months, whatever, ahead of us, had found it, and it was a, a large opening with a stone that they could roll in front of it, all right, so that really drove Part of the communion, my thoughts on that. But at the Israel Museum, I mean, it was just amazing because there was a display of the um, bones of a person who was crucified, and the leg bone there had a spike about three or four inches long sticking out of it. They have now found two such remains of people and crucified. So it was really an interesting thing. They had diagrams of how they would crucify them, how they would put the legs to the side of the cross and drive those spikes into that wood through the uh, ankle. And terrible, terrible thing. And it made me think, you know, this represents the broken body and shed blood of Jesus and everything that he has done for us. And we can't repay that debt. And I just am thankful for his sacrifice for us. So, Lord, I ask you now to just to bless us, bless Bob, just help us to be the good Christians you want us to be and forever keep the importance of communion and our relationship with you in mind. For your name we pray. Amen.
2: On the inside of your bulletin, we have a lot of announcements. We have uh, Jerry's going to have all of his youth activities today. The elders and preachers will get together at 3.30 today. Uh, Roger's group is meeting this evening in in here. We'll have our leadership team meeting. All of our Bible studies are taking place. Uh, Primetime is taking place Friday, but we are full. So if you would like to go, I can put you on a wait list. We can only have like 30, so uh, we've fulfilled that already. Ministry team involvement, uh, ministry team signups are out in the foyer. If you'd like to get involved in some of the ministries of the church, There's an opportunity for you. You don't have to be a member of the church to do any of those things. We just need your presence for those. And if you're already, and I need you to hear me on this, if you're already doing some things and you want to keep doing them, you do not have to sign anything. We're just going to assume you want to do it. If you don't want to do what you've done in the past, make sure you write down your name under that category. Let's say you don't want to be an usher. Put your name and there's a place you can mark that you need a break from it. So we're going to try that this year. Um, We also... Let me think there was something else. Oh, Lady Spa. They're going to have a ladies' gathering on, the, on March 25th at 10 a.m. at, at, uh, at uh, Lori uh, Jacobs' home. And so there's an announcement about that in the bulletin for the ladies, so make sure that you fill that out. Our Faith Promise ended last week, but a few weeks ago, I kind of botched a video from Karenette, so I want to go ahead and show you that now so you can see what you missed. And so we'll go ahead and run that. Good
3: morning, First Christian Church. My name is Tina Rowley and I'm the Executive Director here at CareNet Pregnancy Center of Cochise County and today I want to give you a little tour of our center so that you can see how your donations and your prayers help this community. This is our pregnancy test room and this is where we offer free pregnancy tests to moms and dads considering abortion. We want our clients to understand that they have the option to choose a life-affirming option, such as parenting or adoption. And we want them to know that there is a wonderful source of hope available to them in Jesus Christ. And this is our ultrasound room where we provide three ultrasounds where mom and dad are able to look in this large screen and see an image of their little one in the womb. And our prayer, of course, is that they will fall in love with that baby when they see him or her. And this is our parenting class educational room, where mom and dad will watch videos and learn about all the tools that will help them to be amazing parents. And why not bring the little ones along and let them play in our toy area? No babysitter babysitter needed. Mom and dad can get all the education they need in programming. And this is our baby boutique. This is a store where mom and dad can shop and purchase clothing, diapers, formula, all types of baby supplies that they might need to help with parenting is because of the generosity of this community that this store is so full of items we thank you first christian for your support for your donations and your prayers you make care net possible for this community
2: yeah one thing about that that room is everything there has been donated and the They purchase them with baby bucks, and that is money that they, uh, bucks that they earn by doing educational things. And so they can use that to buy things out of that, uh, out of that room. So it's a real blessing. And Karenette's there with them before, during, and after as much as they're, they're needed. So we thank you for your Faith Promise support. Just as a praise, we had our highest amount of pledge money for Faith Promise that we've had in the past 10 years. And about almost $35,600. So that's a real blessing. We've had a few years where we've had more don't, more pledges, but the the amount that was pledged this year was the most we've had in 10 years. So that's great. So we can help organizations like Carinet. Okay, on the inside of your bulletin, we have a, we ask that you take your bulletin home. we got a lot of prayer requests in there. We take those home and be in prayer for them. Uh, keep TCMI in your prayers. It's one of the missions we support, as well as Operation Christmas Child is one of the outreaches we do. And, th- and we got an announcement about them needing some items, so you'll find that in your bulletin. But we have a lot of praises and a lot of people we're praying for. So at this time, let's stand together. I'm going to close this in prayer, and uh, the band will give us a song to lead out with. Father, we thank you that we could be together today and I thank you so much for those who have influenced us to come to you. Father, I pray that we're bold and courageous and loving as we share the gospel with those around us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.